Hi, Book Club members. I'm Jen. And I'm Carrie. And this is Warhammer 40k Book Club, where we read for McCrag. This is episode number 100, and our book is Armageddon by Aaron Dembski Bowden. This is actually a re release of the novels Hellreach and the novella Blood and Fire. For some reason, I've been having a terrible time remembering the name of the novella. Well, it was, we posted. I mean, it was uh, compiled together in a Space Marines Battles book, also called Armageddon. It's a re-release of it, and it's lovely. I really dig the black and red. We the posted several questions. Yes. I'll say the book looks pretty. This is going to be an interesting one tonight. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via YouTube, our site, Twitter, or Encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning. Somehow you haven't yet read this book? Definitely check it out, go to the site, and then return to this post as we'll be discussing the book from start to finish in great detail. You say that, that, but I hadn't read it before, so... Okay, so here's a funny story about this book. When I purchased this book, my husband, I was like, oh, it's it's Hell's Reach and it's uh, Blood and Fire. And he was like, we read Hell's Reach. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did. When it came out, we have the copy in the other room. And he was like, you read it aloud to me. Like, we, we read this book together memory hold like sometimes i start reading a book and i'm like oh i do remember well, this book see, when did this come out like originally i don't remember this book well apparently if you look at the space marines battles book series this is number two so it's it came out 13 years ago it was published in 2010 i had to look this go. up yep 2010 so i think it's possible and i feel really bad that um Memory hold entirely. Well, Did not. Happens. It does. It, it, it's a sh- it's shocking how much. Like, we've read a couple of books now where we've gone into the Wayback Machine and then I'm like halfway through, I'm like, oh, right, it is this book. I have horrible recall. So, like, people will be like, Did you ever see that movie? And I'll be like, No. And then they'll start describing me and I'm like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then here's the entire plot. Like, I thought you hadn't seen it. No, I totally did. <laughs> like, I'm really bad about that. So, um, this is one of those books. I feel really bad. I think I memory hold this book. So, did you like the book? No. Oh man. Nope. I I uh... I liked part. I loved the novella, and for the book, it took me a while to figure this out. I liked parts of it. The parts that I liked, I liked. The parts that I didn't like, I did not like. I liked Andre. I I could, and this is going to shock everybody probably, knowing that my, my affinity for tech marines did not care about that subplot. I really didn't care every time they would flip over to the Titan. Which, which subplot? <laughs> right. Trying to get to the um, Ordinatus uh-huh. Armageddon. Um, I, and the Titan. Every time they popped over to the Titans, I was like, I don't care. Wow. I if you know anything about me for like my, my likes within the Warhammer 40k universe, the fact that I did not care about like I was almost to the point where I was like, can I skim? Can I skip? I don't, don't like just don't. I was about I basically I was about to John Grammaticus. Wow, this is ADB, so it would have been all person. 
or uh, Damon Pertanis. I oh, was right. about to. Yes, Damon Pertanis, the assassin. Can't forget. Actually, kind of like I have a soft spot for Damon, but as I've often said, that I want to erase all of the perpetuals. I will kill that particular darling. Um, I, I really liked Grimaldus' story. I really liked the Steel Legion just because I like the Steel Legion. Oh, the Steel Legion was great. I, I liked them a lot. I just... You know what else I liked? A thing that you and I talk about a lot. These are not funny orcs. These are not funny orcs. Well, no, These but I almost scary. feel like we almost barely saw them at the same time. That's fair. Um, it was more of like the concept of them, it's like if the, anything. Kind of a psychological horror that, that they're there. Like the only time I think we really, really saw them, aside from the novella, was like when they were climbing up the Titans. But then I kind of liked, I did enjoy that part where like when um, the crone was talking how it was feeling like, you know, insects crawling up her arms and legs. Like, yeah, but then can't you just shake them off? But I guess you can't. Shake them off. Actually, the whole thing about the Titan, what kind of cracked me up about the whole Titan was like, in one way, yes, I know, I understand it's this, it's a cathedral. <laughs> it's it's Notre Dame. Notre Dame, I guess. Not Notre mm-hmm. Dame, but Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame. Yes, on legs. On legs. But the face, because I think I've seen pictures because they have faces and it's just, it, it, okay, sure. Y'all are weird. Notre Dame with a face. Yeah. And arms and stuff. And there's like, you know, a whole priest, you know? Mm-hmm. With people living up there, it's all cool. It's like y'all are weird. Y'all are so weird. We recently read a book. No, oh god. When I say recently, this honestly, this could have been within the last couple of years. But we recently read one where they talked about basically like the number of people it takes to man the various titans. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember how many they said was on the Imperial Titan, but it was like. Like a small, like I think it was larger than the town that I grew up in. Right. That's not saying a lot. Fifteen hundred people is not a lot yeah, to top so in you the have like universe. The fat priest. I love that Andre called him that. You know, he's obviously not manning anything, but he's like giving sermons. <laughs> what are you suggesting? He's giving sermons and dealing with the people that are on there. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> sure, pal. So, so weird. So crazy. The scale is, again, the scale. Oh, I know. All of the stuff. It's a. Uh, and then yeah. when we said the the gargantum, the warlord's gargantum is taller than it. I'm like that's pretty freaking scary. But then it's like, but if you're that big, like, do you just step on the various continents across the planet? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's just so like Jurassic Park you. when they. You know, take a step, you see the water ripples. <laughs> Except it's like entire lakes, like Lake Huron. <laughs> it kills all the fish with the vibrations. I'll start floating up. Okay, now I just took a dark turn. Well, but the amount of vibrations would do that. Well, yes, but it was funny for a second there and then you logicked it. But see, but then it'd be like some fisherman who is like getting tired of fishing and wanted to pull the dynamite. Didn't I dynamite now? Just hauling on. Get the stuff. nets! Yeah, exactly. Can't let this stuff we need more nets! Can't let it go to waste. I mean, come on. We so, need an Imperial Titan-sized net. I'm sure they got them. They probably do. <laughs> so other than killing fish with a Titan, what part stood out to you? Really, this conversation. This is like the only fun part I've had in this whole book. <laughs> 
There, okay, I will give you that. There was not a lot of fun to be had in this book outside of Andre, Andre and some of his funny things. Yeah, Especially like when, because the way that they phrased it and the way I had it in my head, he did have a very thick Russian accent and that just made oh. it even 10 times more delightful. My daughter's hockey coach, his Russian, he's been in the US for, well, since the 90s, but he's still, they never quite lose that accent. And so I actually, and his name is Andre. So the whole time, I heard that character in his voice, which made it particularly funny to me. Um, I guess the things that stood out to me were not, not good things, to be totally honest. Because there's a lot of times I was just like, reading it, reading it, and it's like, okay, I was like, wait, what? How'd that guy get here? Wait, he died? When? No, they didn't put it back there. Okay. Wait, why are they over here now? A lot of that. And I think, like, the big thing that stood out to me the most was, like, what the hell is wrong with these Black Templars? Like, Helbrecht, be like, die well? You're putting your reclusi arc and be like, yeah, later. Like, our orbital def our orbital bombardment failed even though there was all these signs that it did not fail. All right, that's it. I can't take this. I can't take my screen just popping up. Like, all these... um. Oh, like we thought it was going fine. Oh no, it's actually not. It's failing. And by the way, you guys need to go down there and you're all going to die. So to die well, I'm like, did he do something wrong? Is he being punished? Are you guys just slitting your wrists faster than the Repentia? Like, talk I a little understand. bit more about that because I feel as though. Yeah, I have an entire question for that around Grimaldus in general, because I feel as though we did see a different side of the Black Templars in this one. And you're not totally wrong. Um, one thing I'll say, the two things that really stood out to me actually come from Blood and Fire. And I say, I'm just talking about Hell's Reach right now. That's like, that's fair. Um, in, Blood in and this, Fire... Two things stood out to me was also not a good thing. I was super excited to learn about the Celestial Lions and what happened. And then they said, and I was like, that's it? Like, I kind of had Grimaldus's reaction to it. Just like, and? Well, and when we're going to, we'll Andre talk more like, about that. Andre was like, I didn't die. You need to scratch out my name. I need to get paid. That's funny. That is funny. Um, we'll talk more about that when we get to that section, because yeah, that was a big one. Um, I, one of the things that really stood out to me that I really liked is when he's talking with Cineric in Blood and Fire, and he's just like, mm, yeah, the Celestial Lions that, you know, they were just naive. And Cineric is like, wait, I thought you admired them and you're calling them naive. Yeah. Like, they, they they dared question the Inquisition. Like, how did you not? Like, he basically has this kind of, what did you think was going to happen? Sort of mentality. And again, we'll talk more about that later, because there's a whole conversation oh, see, around that. now you just that. made it all. See, I can't hear that phrase. What did you think was going to happen? Because I'm, I'm thinking of, if anyone's seen the Apple TV show, The Morning Show, that line is used very infamous, not infamously, but uh, I can't think of the word. 
the way it's used, but it's, uh, anyway, it brings different thoughts. And so but at the same time, but you're, but you're right. What did you think was, was going to happen? Did you and think we'll, that they'd be like, well, you know, it's, it's complicated or like we're all going to be best friends later and just be like bygones, be, be bygones. And yeah. um, honestly, other thing I thought, I merely thought back to, you know, um, the emperor's gift. Just the only difference there, I think, is that you're talking about a first founding legion. You know, one that's directly aligned with mm-hmm. with the emperor, the son of the emperor versus, you know, an, an offshoot. Like, I don't know which founding the Celestial Lions are from, but they're not the second founding the way that the Black Templars no. are. No, they're definitely. They might be the ultimate deeper. founding. And yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk more about them because they're that whole thing. I have a lot of thoughts on that and feelings. So let's because we do have quite a bit of ground to cover because technically this is two stories. Um, which is always a little hard. Uh, did you like Grimaldus as a character? And what did you think of, like, his thoughts, his dogma, his... I hesitate to use the word feuds, but his uh, butting of heads with people. I didn't like him. Just dry. And I think that's just that's a... Fair. I mean, it's a Black Templar thing, to be totally honest. Um, I think the only Black Templar that had any passion was Sigismund. And then they've just, you know, all kind of gone down to, I mean, I'm not saying that they're not passionate because they are passionate in their own ways, but they're boring. They have no real personality. No. I would say. And that's they're something very... that we saw in um, in the Dawn of Fire series, right? Yeah, with uh, the new... Uh, Primaris Black Templar, who was just like, what are you, like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are we risking over all this? And that's kind of really what I felt like these Black Templars were doing. Like, you guys, agree you guys with that. are the sisters of the, you guys are the Repentia, just in space marine form. And I got no time for this. I have a hard time arguing with it. I like that we get to see Grimaldus grow as a character, like by the end of the book, he kind of softens his approach a little bit, right? But I, it's funny that you mentioned Donna Fire because I do distinctly remember when we were reading that book, when Lucerne goes to hook up with the Black Templars and they're just like, bah! like just, they were just jerks. Um, as my husband. See, that's all I'm going to think say. of Black Templars. Gobble, 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 gobble. I mean, um, much, yeah. As my husband has been saying about our new cat lately, they're a bit of a dick. Hmm. Like, they just, they were, I, I did not like them. And I remember we even talked about that in the podcast where I was like, ugh, like these guys are just so fatalistic. And I don't, I didn't feel that these guys were as fatalistic no, per se, not, like Grimaldus, but just that not, our way is the right way. Our way is the right way. Not I'm like, as fatalistic, but you know, when... The salamander is like, can you please do this thing for us? And he's like, no. And then yeah. celestial lions and blood and fire, who are actually a little more closely related to the Black Templars than the salamanders. And they're like, can you please do this for us? <laughs> no. 
No, I will not bless your... Well, that made sense in that case, but... A little bit, but even then, it's just like, okay. That was the other I, thing. The salamanders, they were there, and then they weren't. I'm like, but... Yeah, okay. I'll agree with that, actually. I really liked Vareth. I thought he yeah. was very interesting. I thought... um it was interesting to see the two dynamics. And let's blend, let's blend these two questions into one because there's so much going on with this one. Because I had to stop and ask myself this. The Black Templars. Forward, 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 forward fight. Right? They are your general pattern, if you will. Uh, for every ounce of sweat, we save a gallon of blood. The salamanders. Save the civilians, save the civilians, save the civilians. And they're, to be fair, the two working together, not bad. You have right. one person who's, you know, definitely focused on this section and one first person who's for, focused on the four. Um, were either of these legions a really great choice for Hive Hell's Reach? That's my question. When Helbrecht's like, die well, so you're not thinking we're going to win this war. Why don't you just cut to the quick and exterminate us the lot and move on? You already named well, the planet Armageddon. I mean. Well, well, because we need more battles of Armageddon to happen. We just need the Aerosmith just playing on loop. That we don't want to miss a thing. Earlier today, this is why Jen has asked me not to drink on the podcast anymore. <laughs> earlier today, we had a. I asked Carrie one of my favorite AMA questions for my work AMA, which is if you could Thanos snap any one song out of existence, what would it be? That song might be my number two. To be honest. That's definitely up there for me. I like Aerosmith. That song can die in a fire. That's because if you were of a certain age, you literally could not escape that song. It's like, you know how it's at Christmas time? You cannot escape Don't. Mariah Carey. Oh, you just can't escape All I Want for Christmas is You. You just can't. Or Last Christmas by George Michael. Yeah. For a summer there in the 90s, you could escape that song. I think it actually played on some country stations. Rage. I think it played on the oldies stations. Well, Aerosmith is also old, so we'll play this song for you. The kids love it. I mean, no, the kids back, they were back around back in the 70s. This counts. Totally. Exactly. The kids like this song. Um, and the sad thing is now that is considered oldies because that's how old we are. I didn't even get like, like today... We're in the grocery store and Debbie Gibson comes on. Oh my goodness. Um, like the nostalgia was off the charts. My husband and I were both singing it walking through the store. Um, no, you will never see me singing. Don't want to miss a thing. Like that will get us out of the store quicker. You need us to pay our check and give up our table. Cue that song. Anyways, um, because they need more battles to happen on this planet. That's why they can't exterminate us. It has plot armor, Carrie. Oh, oh the planet um, has plot armor now. Yes, the planet has plot. Anything can have plot armor. Um, 
it has a little bit of plot armor there. I I kind of agree with you on the surface of just like kill it and move on. I understand why they didn't. Ish. Um but, because we need the events of the book to happen. Okay. All right, but the whole I guess I have a hard time reconciling Helbrecht and his recru- reclusiarch. This is not some random chaplain. This is the reclusiarch. I mean, like, right. Yeah. Good luck. Well, if anybody's going to save this godforsaken planet, it's going to be him. I, like, I have really mixed honestly, feelings on that. I was like, was he being punished? Like, this is this like a lion and Luther scenario? That's really what I was thinking. Well, I mean, and he asks, he kind of mentions that when he's talking with Helbrick, when he's just like kind of in blood and fire, especially. It was like, I kind of felt like I was being sidelined, but now it's okay. Um, well, I everybody with them was like, we're being exiled. Yeah, we've been sent down here to die, basically. Like, Is it because Helbrick knew the salamanders needed, they needed that group of people who would be like... <laughs> We got to go fight, dudes. Yeah, but the um, salamanders came later, and then they left. I don't know. Yeah, and I will say that that was one thing where I was like, "Where are they?" Like I was like, um, "Cool, I was like cool." We got salamanders here. You guys aren't gonna die now. And then they're like, "So, like, yeah." So we we got a plane to catch. It's been real. Good luck. I'm like, good luck saving the people. Just. Okay, that was fun, I guess. Right, let's do it again sometime. Um, I I did... It was interesting to me because I was like, well, neither of you guys were who I would have sent to save a hive. Because on one hand, the salamanders were a little... I will admit, I kind of... I love it about the salamanders. I love that it was entirely within their idiom that they're like, save the people, save the people, save the people. Yeah. Yes, you're totally right. But they're huggers. at what? Huh? They're huggers. They're like they. They are huggers. Crime is that they care too much. Exactly. What What is one of your weaknesses? I just care so much. Um, they uh, I. On one hand, like I I understood when Grimaldus is just like no, like I understand it. Because he's like, we're going to lose this, we're going to lose that. But again, I kind of reminded, it was a little almost Horace Heresy-ish to me, where I'm like, this, this is the problem. You guys don't want to work together, because you're both too right. And I did like that Vareth was kind of like, um, I mean, I see where you're coming from, but, right? Like, I felt like they were trying to be a little more amenable, but even then, not like. Plus, a little of the Salamander's idiom is that, you know. Exactly. To work together with everybody. They do, but then also not, not by compromising on what they. Right, but 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 not like that. Right, exactly. (laughs) It's it's one of those things where I'm always like, you know, sometimes the Imperium really is its own worst enemy. Oh, not sometimes. Okay, fair. But this was a really good example where I was like, here you go, here you go, here it is in person, in action, live and in person, as these two legions. Legions. These two groups of people could have like could have helped each other, but they kind of do a little bit. But I do like that at the end of the book, Grimaldus has to kind of stop and be like, 
okay, maybe they were a little bit right. But you know what? Those just classic them. Like, and even in Blood and Fire, he goes back and kind of thinks on it and is just like, classic salamanders. He always kind of described it when he's just like, yeah, they, they just kind of like to stay at home and defend. That's not our way. Dude, it's not like they've retired to have four kids. <laughs> Hamburger helper. <laughs> just, just saying. Um, what about the Steel Legion? So they were the, the most Steel Legion group of all, out of all of them. I mean, you know, Colonel Saren, um, Captain, I can't remember his name. The, uh, the liaison. I mean, I seriously, so I loved the when the captain is talking to that liaison, Syria. And she's like, well, they're not nice to me. He was, or they don't talk to me. He was like, well, why? She's like, I think it's because I'm a woman. He's like, no, it's nothing to do with that. No. Which I'm like, okay, first of all, thank you for that. Because I always hate that. It's because I'm yep. a woman. No, it's not. And he puts it like, because you're useless. And she's like, excuse me? It's like, well, you're a liaison. You're nobody. She's like, oh. Yeah. Right. Okay. Nothing you don't to do have with rank. You're a woman. It's your rank. It's yeah. your purpose. I did like her, though. I thought she was. Well, yes, especially, you know, I like that she came around and she stopped being such, you know, a snob about stuff. I like the Steel Legion in general. They're one of those legions that is renowned. And I like them in general. I like I like how hard they fought. Um, I liked their interactions with the Black Templars. Especially, mm -hmm. I feel as though throughout Hell's Reach, they had some pretty good reactions. Blood and Fire, they pay off in them. Especially because you get to see Kurov and the beginning is a little cold towards... Uh, Grimaldus, he's a little cold towards him, and then he hugs him. Yeah. And the novella, like, that's pretty nice. I will agree that Andre was very amusing. I like, I always like books like this, where you do have, they show that the humans are not useless. Are they as worthwhile as a space marine? Right, again, it's the, when he quotes Dorn, and he's like, give me a hundred space marines or a thousand other troops. That's about right. Right. Um, well, I, I mean, like. Hmm? We're an imperium of untold billions. Exactly. Turn them all out. I like that. I mean, this is their home world. They're going to fight for this, this world. It's, that's not in question. But I do like a lot of the. It's, it's one of the things that I think is probably my favorite thing within Warhammer 40k is the dynamic between the Astartes and the humans, mm -hmm. uh, especially the Astra Militarum. I like how. Especially in this book, I thought that we got to see a little bit of confusion um, from the way that they acted. Yes. Like, they, like obviously, it's not, it's not that you're a woman. It's that you have no rank. Like, <laughs> what is it you'd say you do here? <laughs> exactly. Is, actually, is basically how. It's actually what I thought of. <laughs> but he was basically trying to say, like, what she did. Yeah. What would you, what is it you say you. She's do? a people person, <laughs> She's damn a people it. Person. Exactly. And I did, I did like that. The idea that it, it's nothing personal. It's just, yeah, it's nothing personal. You just, they don't understand you. Let's put it that way. That would be the nice way that I would say that. They don't One really understand about, you. about Space Marines is that they don't look at sex. No. They don't care what you are. 
No. It's how you how useful are you to me at this moment? Exactly that. Um, and I felt as though it, that was one of the things about Grimaldus that I both did like, but it did make him difficult to like as a character. Very calculating. Is this going to help me win or not? I don't think he was that good of a chaplain. <laughs> he was not very inspiring. I'll agree with you on that one, actually. I like him. Um, and I, I wondered if that was part of the reason why he was being punished. <laughs> like, you're, you're not good at this. It could be. Like, you're not a good... I mean, he's like, yes, I'm not a good general. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to be a good general. Right. But you're not really good at your job. Either. Yeah, I would actually agree with that. Um, I I struggled sometimes with some of his. So, and this is one of the things that it, this is one of those mixed blessings with ADB. ADB is a little prone to introspection in his characters. Um, sometimes it's very good. Sometimes it's less good. Uh, there were times where Grimaldus would be like, oh, I think this. Oh, and here's kind of ruminating. And here's like some like roundabout. Like it, it's very much the way that my mind works sometimes when you're just like, oh, yeah. And then here we here and here and here and here. It's mm -hmm. like the Billy from Family Circus way to get to an idea. Um, but sometimes I was like, oh, God, wrap it up. Wrap it up. God, you are so dry and dull. Yeah. He... I hesitate to say this, but he almost came across as boorish in some places. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you shouldn't be saying that about a space marine. No, but he's you know, a Templar, too. So. Well, that, okay, that's true. That's true. Just very... I guess by that definition, they all kind of are. But, like, it wasn't just that he was, like... It, I guess I picture I, I like my chaplains to be a little more inspiring a little more political not political in the terms of like oh i'm playing all of this stuff but recognizing how to talk to people and i felt as though grimaldus really didn't have that he felt very removed by any general. definition of a chaplain whether in warhammer 40k or in present day times he was not a chaplain i have to agree with that um i did like he kind of he kind of i I almost think Blood and Fire was addressing some criticism because in the beginning of Blood and Fire, he has a very interesting thought where he's just like, yeah, I guess we're not necessarily not human. Like, I think he said that instead of being humans that were built into weapons, they're more of weapons that could have been humans. Um, and I'm like, that's a, it's an interesting thought. It is an interesting thought in general, but it's an interesting thought to be throwing out in a story attached to this book. Like, it almost felt like ADB was addressing some of that criticism. And I do think, or at least I'm assuming that mm -hmm. that was some of the criticism, that he is just very removed. And when he kind of, nah, 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 on some of the salamanders, it, it kind of felt a little arrogant. Needlessly so. Yes. And I understood. And he was pouty! That was the part that I didn't like, too, as he came across, like, times as pouty. Oh, he was totally I didn't pouty. Want to... He was pouty and just like, I'm not as good as Mordred. Well, okay. 
also all I could think of is like, do you know who Mordred actually like was like in our theory and legend? Like that's not a good thing to want to. Nobody's a knight, so we just grabbed that one. Oh, I know. We just grabbed knights' names. They were running out of names, Carrie. I also pick Gawain at this point, but regardless, sorry, the lion kind of stuck in my head, but okay. Pick Arthur, like <laughs> Mordred. Arthur. Really? Yeah, yeah. Or Artur, like Arturo, like whatever. But Mordred, come on, man. Um. Yeah, just the whole time's like I'm just I can't be as good as as him. I'm not him, which is like the only redeeming quality I thought happened near the end, where he's like, I'm not Mordred. Well, no, duh, dude. I'm glad it took you 300 pages to figure this out. And that maybe maybe that's why Hellbrook sent you down here because he was tired of your brooding and you suck as a chaplain. So maybe this is the way you figure out that you're not Mordred, you know, by everyone else in your company dying. That's cool, too. Well, that was one thing that I really liked, too. I think it's also in Blood and Fire where... He's when they say he is because he's talking to the celestial lions, and they're like, "Oh, maybe that's why you were chosen." And he's like, "Oh, I never considered that. Did you ever consider that? Like, I swear to God, there was a point when I was reading Hell's Reach where it was like, all I could think about was Marsha, 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 Mordred, Mordred, Mordred. <laughs> please, please stop, Jan. Please, someone throw a football at his face. Like, just." Stop! Please stop. <laughs> uh, I'll agree with that. He it, it, and you, you know ever it's one see, of those things. You ever see the Brady Bunch movie? Oh yeah, like the one in the nineties, mm-hmm. where um, what's her name? The woman who actually plays the mom shows up in the end as the grandmother, mm-hmm. and Jan is doing the. She's like, "Cut the crap, Jan!" She's like, oh, "The voices are gone. That's what I needed." I needed that. that. Cut the crap. <laughs> cut, cut, cut the crap, Grimaldus. We needed that. I do think, too, yes, I think I would have preferred at some point. So one of the things, one of the things that I do not like, and um, oh, what is the name of that series? Oh, I can't stand those books. I only read a couple of them because I couldn't get through them. They're, um, it's not Robert Jordan. It's the other ones. Oh, I think I know what you're going to say, and it's going to make me sad. Is it Patrick Rothfuss? No. No, what are those books? Are you thinking of um, Terry Goodkind? Yes! Sword of Shannara? No, 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 not the Sword of Shannara. Sword of Truth. Yes. Hmm? Sword of Truth guy. Yes, that guy. I love those books. So the first whole book, I wanted to light on fire. Oh, because it's all it. these trials. And then his teacher is like, I could not teach you the lesson. I couldn't tell you the lesson. I had to show you. Might not be the same books. No. Might be the bad office books. Um, what is the name of that fucking author? It's got to come to me in a second. Please, somebody know what I'm talking about. But the whole first book is basically this guy going on his hero, starts his hero's journey, and he has his teacher who is constantly like, Sticking him into adventures and stuff, and then he would come back and he. What lesson did you learn? No, that's Couldn't not Terry. Told you that, that. That's not the series. Terry Goodkind. Um, not uh. Not sort of truth. 
Terry Brooks is sort of Shannara. God, I couldn't. There's too many Terry's. Um, yeah, but Terry, Terry, so anyways. Good, Terry Goodkind was Sword of Truth, and that Wizard's yeah, First Rule was the first book, and uh, his teacher yeah. was not there, like, at all, so. Okay, it must have been a different series. I also hated those ones, too, though. Um, but they, um, I hate like, that trope oh of, like, I couldn't just tell you, like, Grimaldus, I couldn't just tell you to nut up and start moping, stop moping. I had to send you to Armageddon. So that you would learn some humility. Like, was this whole book... Like, did we just go through this whole book so that he could have a character arc? I'm sorry, I'm, like, still clutching my pearls. I didn't, like, Wizard's First Rule, but that's okay. It's not a fan of those books. Um, got me into fantasy. I did like... I did like, because it pays off later with the Heroes of Hell's Reach. But you're right, like, I don't like that either. Of like, I'm not a fan of the trope. Um, and it... And I really wanted, like, as much as I enjoyed part of the story, there was a part of it, too, where I was like, is this all just to teach him a lesson to stop moving? Because at the end, especially when they're like, Hero of Hell's Reach, and as if there is only one. Again. Holes. But. Sisters of Repentia do less wristing in this guy. You know what? I, I have a really hard. So let's talk about the narrative structure really quickly here, because I have a lot of thoughts That's on this a one. problem. That was a problem, the narrative structure. I saw what he was going for, but it made things a lot more confusing, and it made a lot of, how oh, this, wait, wait, he's here, wait, who's this? Like, just, like, it was like my son, who has ADHD, wrote this book. Just. Oh, God, now that you say that, it is like listening to my 15-year-old child tell a story. Where? <laughs> I cannot tell you the number of times when she'll come back and be like, using just generic names, Jane did this. When did she do that? At the store? When did you go to the store? Oh, yeah, we went to the store. When? Oh, during the first period. You have a class during first period. Oh, not today. Can we, can we start? Can we, can we begin at the beginning of the story? I get those, too. Yeah, it's just like, uh, um. I will say one of the things that, because you had said this as well, this is, you can tell this is definitely one of ADB's earlier books, because this is a format that he uses still to this day, right? He uses this format a lot of like kind of jumping around and then just like going to a place and then being like, let me fill you in. He does that a lot. He had not refined it in this. You could tell that he was starting so to get his voice there. Not only that, but to go from to... I think very few authors can jump around with third to first person very well. And this book did not do that at all. That was my big thing. Is Here's my feeling on that. Um, to quote the Pete Holmes uh, X-Men with Gambit. Go finger or go fingerless. None of this cats is coming back to Broadway bullshit. Come on. Go first person or go third person, not both. It is very, and I don't know why it is. I do not like that structure. Like, and I understand, look, I understand. First person is hard. First person is very difficult. Uh, an author that I really like once said, in fact, one of my favorite books by this author, they once said they were like, the biggest mistake I ever made was doing this book in first person because it was so 
hard. I get that. ADB, or sorry, Abnet. Abnet said even about, said about Eisenhorn. He was like, yes. why did I he decide was... to do this in first person? Like, <laughs> So then he decided to change that for every book afterwards. And I was like, go back, go back, go back. Oh, come on. I understand it's hard, but commit to the theme and just stick with it. Um, the bounce between first and third now, on one hand, it always made it clear whose chapters you were in. Am I right? Except when it jumped within a chapter, which it did a lot. And I was like, wait, hold on a second. We were just from Grimaldus in third person, and now we're in first person. And now we're in third person again, but still with Grimaldus. Like, pick a lane, dude. Pick a lane. A struggle with that i and, and again I, i'm not saying like and even then like i would say like if we have to do this first person third person contain it within a chapter please um the or separate chapters or even separate sections of the book that works very well i actually even so like in the lion when they switched between third person and then first or, or third person present and third person past mm. i'm fine with that Right, right. That right. that's fine. I have no problem with that as a narrative structure. But that first third person, I'm not a fan of that. Like I said, um, very few authors do that very well, and this was yes. not a good example. My hair's driving me crazy tonight. Um, I yeah. I I again. I think you can see that there were a lot of kinks he was ironing out here. Um, that jumping around piece. I also feel as though some of the breaks. This all again. It's funny that you mentioned that Dawn of War book because some of the jumps between like the Steel Legion and then back to Grimaldus and then over to the Titan. Oh, I needed oh, yeah, the like salamanders are here. Yeah, oh, they're gone again. Yeah, I... they had a plane to catch. You're right. We we told them to hit the road. Oh, as you do. Okay, what? 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 Um. And then, like, with the tech marine, like, we switch over there so we can go get this ultimate weapon. Oh, right. I keep forgetting about Eurasian. <gasps> That's not a good sign in a book when you can say the phrase, I keep forgetting about this character. Because I had the same reaction. They would well, jump over to him, and I was like, you know, oh, we, we make this thing. thing. We make this comparison actually way too often. And I think that... I think it applies, I think, to some of these authors' earlier books, and that's the Spider-Man 3 problem. Yes. You got too much going on, and it all just jumps around. So you can't really give your full attention to one story or another. So that is, I mean, Blood and Fire. So, yes, that's a novella. Obviously, it's going to be able to do that a little better. And it was written three years later, so I find that interesting for a variety of reasons. And you can tell that yes. the writing was a little better. Uh I enjoyed like the first part of it. Got to a certain point, I was like, "Eh, what?" But the writing was still better. I was able to follow it a little bit better because it didn't do all all of the all of the jumping around. Now it's a novella; it's it's more compact, you know, but by by design for that. But you know, he needed to make Armageddon compact. To. And I don't mean having to make a novella of like 80 or 90 pages, but he could have brought it down. Rimmed it a smidge. He, it best, did I think the best thing he though... could have done was to make it all first person Grimaldus's point of view. He did that. It would have been a much better book. I will agree with that completely. Um, I know it would have been harder, 
we would have missed out on some of that semi-critical Steel Legion point of view. Mm -hmm. But you would have just had to kind of worked around that. Right. Um, I do think it would have made it a little stronger. You still could have had funny stuff with the Steel Legion. You still could have. Oh, yeah. Totally. Because Grimaldus' reactions to them, even when he's just like, I will not lose my temper with these people. Um, it's funny and it's humorous. He is the ultimate straight man, right? Um, well, also, see also the character from uh, The Emperor's Gift. Just the ultimate straight man to this, to the gags coming out here. Um, I think it would have worked. I do. I think one of the things that I always really like about the Black Library, especially with some of these authors that have been around for a really long time, you do get to see their progression. You do get to see them grow as authors. ADB uh, definitely started stronger than Abnet. Um, but it is kind of fun when you go back and you read. Now I feel like Abnet has gone like, he's done the rainbow. He's done the bell curve where it's like, and then you get to that golden period through here where it's just like, everything is amazing. The crazy thing is like with Graham McNeil, I, so I think his very first book ever is really good. Nightbringer, like when I hear, when I heard that's his very first book, I'm like, I'm just going to kill myself now. I'm just never going to write a book. That's just, that's just fine. Um, so what is that? Like those who can't criticize instead of teach? Exactly. Well, that's, that's what I'm doing. So I think he's still a really good writer. And with like some exceptions yeah. with the fifth New Girl of Interest book. I mean, other than that, like I've liked all of his Horus Heresy books. I can't even fault him for the false gods because I really think that someone in the background was doing the wrap it up sign. Yeah, like we we're supposed to do this in like five or 12 books. So speed it up, dude. Um, no, but just kidding. We're just going to stretch. This Never mind. It's 60 books now. So it's like you could have totally uh, well, like, taken your time with that one. It's okay. But look at Graham McNeil, like he's just continuously like I can't even say we've gotten to, you know, that we've gone the bell curve with him. No, actually the thing that I've always said about him Chris Rate is that same thing. The thing that I will say about both Rate and McNeil is I feel as though they've been this just this flat line across, right? Where the other authors, like, for a while there, ADB's stuff, it well, ADB, not ADB, Ebnet, uh, his stuff was just markedly, like, better stuff. But now we've gone off, and McNeil is still just here. He's just steady in there for you forever. Um, and he very much reminds me of just that look. It, it's like, I hate to say fast food, but you always know what you're going to get. Yeah. When you go to Chick-fil-A, you know what you're going to get. It is always going to be the same nuggets and the same fries, no matter what city you're in. Um, and that's kind of like the comparison I would use for him. He is just a very steady author. I do feel as though... Him and Wright. Dimsky Bowden nice like, has just kind of like that. Um, we haven't reached the drop-off period yet. No. But this is, this is his earlier. It's a little rough around the edges. You can see him trying to experiment with stuff, trying to come into his style. Mm. And also because this is the second of the Space Marines Battles books, maybe trying to figure out what the series is going to be. Right? Yes. Because Battle of the Fang, I don't know which number that one is. That was great. Yes. A great Battles book. 
Dropping space marines. Battles. Um, the sixth. Okay, so there you go. Uh, what's the first? Um, I knew you were going to ask me that. Uh, do, 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 do. Space Marine Battle Series! CZ done something. Rin's World. Sh- oh god, I should have known it was Rin's World. Um, <laughs> Rin's World. Rin's World. Rin's World. <laughs> um, yes. Who wrote that? So, oh god, who wrote Rin's World? Is it CZ done? Uh, that one. No, I don't think. Steve Parker wrote that one. Ah, Death, um, Death Watch guy. Yes. I. That one I do remember. I don't know. I'm telling you, this is a gaslighting moment. I don't think we read this one together because I really don't remember this one. Like I was looking at a bunch of the other ones, like uh, Fall of Damnos. I remember Fall of Damnos. Yeah, Battle of the Fang. That was one that I remembered like halfway through reading it. Um, the other ones I just haven't read. Oh, Legion of the Damned I did read. Um, but like, this one I just didn't remember. I don't think we we'll read this book. Um, I, I liked it. Again, I liked it, but there were a lot of parts of it. And the, unfortunately, the things were like the, the the things that I really liked were up here, and the things that I didn't like were down here. Um. So let's talk about this because you kind of hinted at this. Blood and Fire is an interesting companion piece to this book. First off, why put the two stories together? Grimaldus. That's all I got. So Fair. I have to say so. In our beautiful edition, there is a section in the middle with some really pretty pictures. Yes. Some maps and some pictures. So I love maps. So we have this beautiful, I'm trying to get the camera here, of the celestial lion. And I get to that point, I'm like, there's no celestial lions in this book. Fun fact. Hmm. Yeah. There were... All along. Like Agatha. Except that it wasn't her. Don't trigger me. Um, Catchy song, though. Oh, my God. It was a phenomenal song. And then they shat on it and pissed on it and threw it in the garbage. Two episodes for the next two episodes. Um, Jen doesn't have strong opinions about Marvel TV series, you guys. (laughs) About anything. (laughs) That's not where I, I want, thought I was going to go. I want, <laughs> I want everyone to know that I, I try to curb and rein this stuff in. I really do. Because sometimes, like, I will throw something out there and then I'm like, but, but you know, you do you. <laughs> and I mean that very genuinely. Like, I'm always like, I, I mean that, like, if you like it, that's good. I'm glad you like it. It just didn't work for me. It was but like that'll this be after I weekend, just... she like totally like shat on a restaurant that three of us liked, and three of us looked at each other and were like, "We really like that place." <laughs> Which She's one like, was that? It was P.F. Chang's. It was like me oh, and two yeah. other people. They were like, "We like that place," and you're like, "Oh, but you guys do you you that that's fine." After she was went on this diatribe about how awful that place is. <laughs> it was awful. I said it was Chinese Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, you said that, and you're just like, "It's just shit," and you just kind of went <gasps> off and. Krista and one of, I've heard the other guy were just looking at her and like, I like that place. <laughs> oh my god, it's so bad because sometimes I'll just be like, like my well, crazy just slipped out. It's like, well, I guess we'll know where we're not going for dinner tonight. 
so serious when I say if you like it, like it. I like some trash. Like, I will be the first person to defend a couple of restaurants. I should not. Um, I'm just saying it's just funny. I just... It is. It's like, again, I try to hide it. I try. And that's why, like, I want... Please know that when I go off on something and I'm like, so bad. I'm very serious when I'm like, but I understand why some people like it. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's how my pendulum swings. So I'm just like, the thing is, though, what and I then in my next minute, but I understand why people like it. I mean, you so like it if you like what it. What I think of is, though, Caddyshack. Rodney Dangerfield saying, this is a hat you get with a free bowl of soup and turns around. Oh, and looks good. Light wearing is like, looks good on you, though. Sometimes I kind of relate to that Roddy Dangerfield character <laughs> on a spiritual level. <laughs> Some of the stuff that comes out of my mouth, you guys, you cannot take me anywhere. Um, again, I never mean offense by it. Know that. Um, it's just I do not proclaim to have objectively good taste in anything. <laughs> I just have very strong opinions. So, like, sorry to take this any further, but sometimes, like, she's, like, totally, like, crapped on something that I've liked. And I'm just like, the hell and she's like no no you don't know how to, you don't know how to play the game see now you make fun of that i like this thing i'm like i, I will when i collect myself <laughs> it's that scene in megamind when he's trying to insult titan yes. and he's just like oh, and he's like no, no 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 this is not how the game is played now you give me witty banter <laughs> Definitely. Feel free to insult something that I love. Um, like, I've always said this, like, when I refer to the Blood Angels as the Euro Trash Space Vampires. That is your key to be like, but you like the bitter man children. Yes. <laughs> Parry, thrust. Right. Repost. Um, we're, having, we're having fun, damn it. Poor Carrie has seen that this is like my husband's again, and my dynamic. Again. This hat looks like you'd get it with a free bowl of soup. Looks good on you, though. <laughs> I am so genuine when I say that. <laughs> you don't do the big rolling your eyes like that Rodney It looks good on you, though. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I am very serious when I say that because, again, I don't ever want to come off as that person who's like, I have objectively good taste. Everything that I like is objectively good and everything I think is dumb is objectively dumb. Oh, my God. No. Again, someday we'll have it like a like a side off episode. Maybe when we're on vacation and we've had some alcohol, where I will talk about some of the really trash things that I will defend. Please keep in mind whenever I insult anything that you like that I unapologetically and non-ironically enjoy historical Western romance novels. Moving on. Um and spam. Well, yes. You don't spend two years in Hawaii and not fucking love spam. You know the, you um, know the great thing about her every time I bring up she likes spam is that she really goes into the bougie. Well, when you live in Hawaii. Oh, sorry. It's Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> Eventually you're like, no, no, the specially processed animal meat is not bad. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> don't insult a culture, Carrie. <laughs> This has gone so off the rails. I know. But, People listening oh now God. are like, Jesus Christ, get back to the book, you guys. I wasn't. No. I just wasn't expecting you to go off about Agatha like that. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why. This is why. 13 is... years of knowing me and every time I get like a rant, you're like, my friend? I mean, it's just. 
It's like, wow, didn't see that happening. <laughs> I keep it interesting. Um, <laughs> oh, see, I'm going to try and get this train back on the rails. See, this, this um, is why she says I can't drink without her on the <laughs> podcast. True, though, because then I would be like totally falling. Well, actually, uh, uh, the train would be permanently derailed. Let's be real. Um, too soon? Um, so oh, why damn. put these two? Why do you think about that? God, why do you have to go there? Anyway. And why we can't have nice things. So other than Grimaldus, though, like, I honestly believe part of me with this story, I honestly believe, because if anything, if anything, this fire and blood story, I feel like would have been more apropos with like a spear of the emperor republish because it is more I, it's all about the celestial alliance and it we solves can't republish spear of the emperor yet i guess but maybe you should have held on to it for a bit because it i'm not kidding because well it, i wish i had known about this before spear of the emperor because i was like i don't know who these guys are celestial lions at the same time, though, ADB did write that book well enough where I didn't have to. Correct. But all you knew is that there was some some uh, foul play afoot. Right. But kind of going back to this, it's like, oh, so he's had this idea quite some time. And I actually, no, don't get me wrong. I do like when you get a story like this and you get to go back and be like, oh, that's what happened. And... It made me sad all over again because I remember, we, I mean, we, we talked about it nonstop. Um, and I think we mentioned it quite a few times during that year, but in afterwards, we mentioned it a lot where we talk about how shocking it was that they killed the chapter master. And then it got me angry all over again reading it because I'm just like, hence my variable line. Um, uh, uh, <clears throat> rage. Um, oh, <laughs> did you want that to be bad? Because I put, I love the Inquisition. I love the Inquisition as much as Aaron Dembski Bowden likes the Inquisition. We like the Inquisition as much as we like the FBI. I I would love to hang out with ADP sometime, but Me I think too, both just because he's Irish, so I just want to listen to him talk. That too, but um. We both, from just interviews I've watched and read of him, I think we both have very strong opinions, so I think our time together would be very short. Like 10 minutes or less. Um, because one of us would go on a rant, and then the other one would be like, I never. <laughs> I think I'd be having a good time. Um, I would just be like, yes, yes, now I'll insult you back. Um, so, not insulting, we're sparring. Um, I, I definitely share his opinions, his very dim view. And I think it's very hard to argue that he does not have a dim view of the Inquisition. I, so on one hand, when I got to the Celestial Alliance thing, I did like Grimaldus's reaction because I did like that he was like, but did they have a reason for it? Like he, he doesn't, my takeaway was less that's it and more of, but was he right though? Like that's within his, like he was more like, that's within his authority. Like, they can make that decision. And the Celestial Lions, of course, going back to him calling them naive, like, well, we disagreed with that, and there's no way that he looked at that entire population, and Grimaldus just being like, this is 40k. Like, I felt like he was almost explaining that this is 40k. Like, omelets and eggs, people. Omelets and eggs. Right. Um, and it, I mean, it, it infuriated the me. The Lions could be right, 
there was some, there could have been something that they were hiding. 100%. That is true. I but mean, I was expecting them to have proof, but they had nothing. They just no. were like, why did you do this? To me, I was like, okay, y'all barely did anything. So, I guess. Kind of. The fact that they sent somebody directly to Terra. It reminded me of like when you have a problem with, this happens at my husband's company often, somebody has a problem with his level and they try to contact the CEO. Like, that's what, and let me tell you, when customers try to go that route, they do not, the customer is not right in that case. Right. Um, it's when somebody goes over your head, you've had this happen to work at work, I'm sure, where somebody doesn't go to you with a problem, they go to your boss with the problem. And then you're like, now I'm less inclined to help you. I I do think that that was kind I think that was what it was. I think had they reached out to the Inquisition, like to this Inquisitor directly to be like, bruh, what were you doing? But no, 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 no. They're like, who asked people on Terra what the heck they were doing? Which, Sorry, which, which why? Which is part of my like, that's it? I'm like, you, I mean, you might have brought this on yourself. Like, I'm not going to say I agree with the links the Inquisition went to, but at the same time, I'm not surprised that they're setting up scenarios where you suicided yourself. I, exactly. Um, I mean, and that's the thing about it that I liked. It was infuriating and I hated it. But similar to Jeffrey Epstein, it was just on the level enough that some people could be like, bad luck, man. Sometimes things happen. Uh, sometimes people break their own necks. Um, and then, but then on the other hand, you blackmailed all of these high profile people. Well, he's dead, so... Um, exactly. I feel like that would be the conversation about the lions. Well, they're dead, so. <laughs> Fiddling with the missing wedding ring. Um, still the weirdest interview ever. Um, we are not suicidal, by the way. Um, yeah, we are feel, not feel suicidal. I'll say that. Um, but it, it is one of those things that if you're looking, right, like Grimaldus is like, mm, two and two does not add up to five in this situation, right? And I do like that Helbrecht is like, you sure? Yes, I'm sure. You understand this is going to bring them to our doorstep, right? Yes, I do. I do like when Helbrecht's like, I mean, I'm not opposed to that. I'm just saying. <laughs> He's more like, do you understand what you're doing right now? But I really liked when, and again, it was infuriating. But I liked it. Again, Epstein. Um, when Grimaldus is like, they're using you to make an example. Mm -hmm. Do not question us. Do not try to report on us. We are. And well, I thought his. And they can with, again, an Ultima founding chapter. You know, they tried Space Wolves. That's a group that'll be missed. Like, right. we're going to notice that. People are not going to notice some random ass chapter out there like the Celestial Lions. I mean, the Black Templars are, Grimaldus will, people who interacted will, with them. But again, it's just plausible the enough Templars that they ran be, into bad luck. The Black Templars will be noticed just because of where they came from, from Sigismunds. Oh, well, yeah. But what I'm saying is that, like, for the people who knew them, again, it's just enough for them to be like, 
No. But people who didn't, ships get lost in the warp all the time, man. Yeah. To quote Monty Python. Communications fail. Bit of bad luck. Yeah. Exactly. Like. Well, and it's also something we see with Death Watch stuff all the time. Right? When the Inquisitor for and head of the Death Watch just is not really always on the up and up. And then, oops, my entire Death Watch just died. Shame. Shame. Exactly. Um, I did like his little, again, his introspection about the Inquisition, or I guess his musings about the, the Inquisition, when he's like, they can show up, demand obeisance from an entire planet under their authority. And he's like, it is both entirely real and entirely illusionary which it is right um and i thought that was very interesting but again like is their power absolute or is it really illusionary yeah i mean low-key kind of but they did just wipe out an entire space marine chapter and nobody's nobody's gonna do anything about it it's not like i did like that i wasn't i, I did like that Essentially, what Helbrecht says is, look, if we get across swords with these guys, I'm totally about that. But we're not necessarily going to launch a crusade on them. Now, what's going to be very interesting, reading this story now. Does this ever come across Robbie's desk? Like, oh, hey, by the way, like I know we had talked about it after Spear of the Emperor. But it would be particularly interesting if the Black Templars, maybe through Lucerne, like, oh, hey, PT Doves, want to so hear a story? One thing I've always wondered, uh, ever since, you know, Spear of the Emperor, and then, of course, with the Dark Imperium trilogy, if this is still part of it. When Reboot basically subtly, low-key declares war on the Inquisition. Yeah. I mean, we've always said. That's one thing. Now that the lion is back. Where's the real power going to lie here? Definitely not with the High Lord's Terror or with the Inquisition. That's going to make things interesting. It's going to get interesting very quickly. And we've always said that, like, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that's the yes. problem. That is the problem. And I do like that he lays it out in here again what the problem with the Inquisition is, is that... Yeah, there's the Ordo Malleus, there's the Ordo Xenos, but it's not like they're a corporation. Like, they don't all get together and do status checks and daily stand-ups, right? Like, they're not an agile company. Um, so, interestingly like, enough, for our video game people, uh, Bolt Gun, if you haven't played that, I recommend it. It's like Doom, like 90s Doom, but in Warhammer 40k, touches on that. Like big time <laughs> touches on that to the point where like i am actually laughing even though i know it's no laughing matter because i'm like yeah of course of course that's how this is going yeah and i feel as though there are probably good inquisitors out there doing good things but on the Some whole covenant i think is one Mayhaps, Mayhaps, given the we'll see. given the huge revelation that that ended on. Well, geez, I don't um, know if we're going to get a third book now because those were written before, or like, you know what? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Probably doesn't. 
Um, um, but it's it's a good question. Like I, I do think we we have read inquisitors who are doing good things and have good intentions. But then if you if anybody's watched, I feel like yes, you start that way, and then you get a little power drunk, and then like any good conspiracy theorist. You start so one of the most interesting things that I read. If anybody, if you, you, I'm sure you can Google this and find it. It was a very fascinating thing they did. They talked about for this was probably five or six years ago. Facebook moderation was done basically by interns. They would take like fresh college graduates, throw these moderators at them. The number of these moderators who started as what you would consider to be a perfectly normal human being who became flat earthers who became We Never Landed on the Mooners, uh, all of these people who started buying into these conspiracy theories because they were constantly, 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 bombarded constantly with bombarded with it. And I feel like the Inquisition is a little bit like that too, when you're constantly looking for heresy and you're constantly having well, all of this information fed for, into you. For sure with the Hereticus, because we've seen that. We saw and that. the Malleus. Well, the Malleus is a different problem of... I mean, it's okay when I use the power because I'm using the powers for good. But like, I think of the Hereticus, like for example, the Saint Celestine book, right? Um, the Hereticus. Uh, there is this one Eisenhorn short story, with like what the Hereticus was willing to do just to possibly catch him. Mm -hmm. You know, um, jumping at sh everything, jumping at shadows is. Yeah. Yeah. And Agreed. Even, and even the Ordo Xenos is not, if you've read, again, I'm going to, you know what, we're going to add this to the drinking game for, for the show. So I'm going to mention um, Sons of Titan, going ahead and drink, because that was an example of uh, the Ordo Xenos when they had gone a little too far. Instead of just really adopting, you know, the Xenos culture. Like, wasn't that a Donna Fire book? There was an Ordo Xenos Inquisitor who had a Xenos with him? Yes. Yeah. Just like, dude. That's on a fire, right? Yeah, with uh, in Inquisitor. Inquisitor MacGuffin. That's all I know. Yeah. I don't remember his name. He's just my Inquisitor MacGuffin now. I can't think of his name right now. Um. Also, see, also, if anybody has been watching the Warhammer Plus animations, Interrogator. Great series. Oh, man. I, I need to catch up on that. It's a good one. But... That's another one that goes into some weird places because, again, so many of these inquisitors with power unchecked start going into odd and interesting places to have interesting theories. Um, it is one of the problems and it is an issue. And I did like, I, but it did, it felt like an, a weird book to partner with this one, other than the fact that they have to go back to Armageddon to go back to the Mannheim Gap with Grimaldus. Like those, th okay, I understand those three things, but given the subject matter and that it is so heavily invested in tracking down the Inquisition and what they did, or tracking down proof, as it were, of the Inquisition with the Celestial Lions, I almost would have preferred this with Spear of the Emperor. I did like it, however, again, getting that like, oh, these guys, oh, this is where this started. That's kind of fun to me. Yes, it was fun for me too. just be like, oh, okay, so he was laying the foundations for this. Long time ago. Oh, yeah. Which is also makes it then retrospectively fun because you're like, that's really cool that he brought them back. Right. And he referenced. Just like, to, again. Just it's, to kill them. But that's cool. That's cool. It was a little too soon for that one. Um, yeah. Okay. Sad. Uh, 
yeah, this was, I, I will say this though. I enjoyed the book. Didn't love it. Enjoyed parts of it. Really didn't enjoy other parts of it. Uh, I'm glad we read it now before vacation. Yeah, this is not a good beach read. This is not a good beach read. But we have an amazing beach read. We do have a good beach read. Sorry, guys. It's not, it's not Pilgrims of Fire. I know that's technically next, but we need a fun beach read. That is not a beach read. And what is more fun? Caiaphas Kane. The answer there's is nothing. Kai, Pi, Caiaphas Kane. In the Warhammer 40k universe, there's nothing more fun than Caiaphas Kane. No. I can't argue with that. Yeah. It is... Um, very excited to read it. We do probably need to mention that because we're going on summer vacation and the way that they all, everything aligns and travel dates and stuff, it will be almost a month before our next podcast. But we'll be back with Caiaphas Kane. Yeah, don't cry too much for us, Argentina. We'll be back. I mean, it's it, it's the summer. We always go on on an amazing, uh, some sort of trip. We try mm -hmm. to anyway. Try to. Yes. So, I mean, considering, what was it, two years ago, our beach read was Fabulous Bill, and that was not a good beach read. And then the next year, it was a God Blight, which was an okay beach read. But would you True. Think that was actually not... I mean, it was Robbie Bobby. Of course it was going to be good. Yeah. But but you think beach read. You think, like, you know, brain candy, right? right. In the Warhammer 40k universe, brain candy. The year before that, my vacation read was Armageddon. No, Apocalypse. Armageddon. Jesus. Apocalypse. <laughs> Which is, that was a good beach Synonymous. Read. Actually, it's I, anonymous. I guess that was my beach read, too. It was a good beach read. Um, yes and no. I mean, I'm sitting there by the pool going. <clears throat> oh, I'm sitting by the pool and laughing. Fair. Um, yeah. So this is going to be, I think this will be a good one. It will be a month before your podcast, but it's worth it for Caiaphas Kane. Relive the adventures of... The hero of the Imperium. Yeah, so this... As sorry. if there's I know, just I, one. I was like, the omnibus doesn't help you guys, but the actual book is the third book in this omnibus called The Traitor's Hand. It actually is an audio audiobook, so... Yes. I would like to point out that I think the last, like, three or four books we've read have been audiobooks, so... Yay! So I think Black Library's kind of getting on that. They realize that people are like that. And yeah. And I have to admit, because I've been doing a lot of Horace Heresy on audiobook, I don't think I can get through it without it, to be totally fair. The production value is legit. Like, it's really, really good. I am not a fan of... I'm not a fan of audiobooks. However, we did listen to Kazarkin on it, and... I told you that was good. That was a good one on audiobook. Yeah. Uh, really did like that one on that. In fact, I think, yeah, uh, so our last several books, actually since February, our books have all been on audio back. I've had to go back and look because we read a series of them in a row that weren't. Um, but when we read, uh, when we read Wrath of the Lost, in my post, I even was like, it's an audiobook. <laughs> it was like a string of them for a bit there yeah, for a hot sorry, minute. Sorry it was that one. Although, we need to update our website because Stormcaller is now on audiobook. Heck yeah! I we mean, do need to update that. Old book, but <laughs> better late than never, right? Better late than never, just like the Titanic. 
Ghostbusters 2 references. Best line of that movie. Yes, by far, and del- delivered by Cheech Marin. So, I mean, what else could you want? It's true. It's true. I mean, so but, I'm just going ahead and take, take, take us, us out to vacation, yes, Carrie. Well, so this has been episode number 100. So, wow, thank you guys. 100. Can't believe we've gone this far. This has got to be the longest podcast you and I have ever committed to. Easily. Yeah, uh, we get a lot of good ideas, and then we get squirrel. Squirrel. So, but this is this has been great. We've loved all 100 episodes of doing this. So, thank you for listening to this Warhammer 40k book club episode regarding Armageddon by uh, Aaron Dimsky Bowden, ADB. Be sure to join us next time for The Traitor's Hand by Sandy Mitchell, which I do know is you can get it in this omnibus uh, ebook, also as well as audiobook. And the audiobook actually it's like an audio drama. There's like four different narrators, so that's fun. I actually might get that just just to listen to that. We are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the Black Library or any of its affiliates. You can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website, wh40kbookclub.com. If you like this episode, please like, subscribe, give a review, and all those good things to the vidcast on YouTube or the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books and short stories outside of the book club books. So please stay well and read from a crag. Yeah, I'm not alfarious tonight. Just stood. It's a Friday night. I'm enjoying myself. Friday night. Get you some. Get you some Friday. I don't know. I've got anything else for that one. All the Friday. Friday. For our American audience. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Happy Memorial Day weekend. And for our UK audience, happy UK bank holiday. Oh, is it a bank holiday? Well, good for them. Yes. Gotta love those bank holidays. Everybody does. Except when you need something from the bank. Which is always when it's a holiday. Exactly. Good night, everybody. Good night. of the Warhammer 40k book club was hosted by Jen Bozier and me. Recording and editing of both the vidcast and podcast were done by me. The book club questions and discussion format were done by Jen, and all of our music is by Jingle Punks. The Warhammer 40k book club is a Warhammer LLC production. This is a Voxcast that even he, Cato Sicarius, would approve. <laughs>